can't guard. He literally can't guard. He can't guard. Yeah. He, you, he can't guard. Chris Paul can't guard anybody? Is that what you say? I, did you see that? No, he can't. Everyone knows that. Excuse me, excuse me. No, no, no. I don't know that. I haven't heard anybody tell me that. You, yeah, because you haven't suited up. You know, guys don't like to tell you all the truth. You know that. <laughs>
Get some of those roids, bro. Get some of that HGH in there. Just stem cells, man. Go see Kobe's knee guy over in Germany. Hello, I shall fix your knee. Uh, but either way, this is not great. So every time he tries to ramp up in his rehab, the pain returns. So this is a big problem for the Bulls because, look, we saw when Lonzo was healthy at the start of the season, they were good. When Lonzo wasn't healthy, they were bad. There's a through line there. <laughs> it's a pretty easy one too. Uh, so here's hoping Lonzo gets back soon. Uh, and two last little bits of news. There's a pretty disturbing report out on TMZ about Rondo. Rajon Rondo allegedly, and uh, in front of his family, his partner, the mother of his two kids, and his kids, had his gun out, apparently. Threatening folks. Oof. It's a pretty fucking harrowing report. Doesn't sound great. Uh, The NBA had a quick uh, word about this. We are aware of the report and are in the process of gathering more information. So probably the same as the Robert Sava report. Hey, Jimmy, did that come out before the season? Yeah, it did. Gee, that investigation's taking a while, isn't it? You're right. (laughs) I mean, holy shit. Ah, speaking of the Suns. Well, look, uh, hopefully uh, Rondo stuff, that all fixes itself out and we figure out what's going on, but that doesn't sound great. Ah, the Suns, uh, the slander. It's flying thick and fast. Now, you've got DeAndre Ayton. There's a report about him not, you know, sleeping much and just playing video games all the time. He and Ben Simmons can hang out. <laughs> what do you reckon? Sound good? Yeah, nice. Uh, but CP3 limped away from uh, yesterday's game. Oh, I've got a sore hammy, man. Booker's injured. Campaign's sore. Apparently Aiton's sore. Sounds like a lot of excuses for getting absolutely shit-pumped in a game seven, if you ask me. Love that. And uh, that's kind of it for the news. The Suns... Look, we're going to talk about this in a second when we uh, look at the second-round loser wraps. Um, but wow, they are left with a lot of questions, right? Also, just a little quote on Pat Bev about CP3. CP can't, can't guard anybody, man. Everybody in the NBA knows that. You know those cones in summer that you dribble around? What does the cone do? Nothing. He's a cone. It's just that what you, y'all don't want to accept it. Give him the Ben Simmons slander. You slander Paul George. Where's the CP slander? It's like... Pat Bev, he's 37. He's a pretty good defensive guard. You're a psycho. Whose word are we going to accept? Yours or accepted vague kind of like, oh, yes, we know that Chris Paul's pretty good at basketball. Great job, Pat Bev. Anyway, let's do some uh, second-round loser rap, shall we? We're not losers. No, you two are winners, big winners. When I grow up, I want to marry a big winner like you guys. Shut up. Loser. Losers. That's right, the losers. So, as mentioned at the top, we've got a chance. We get one day with no hoops before the conference finals start. So let's take a quick look back. Just go back, take a quick look, and what do you reckon? Can we do it? There you go, that worked. (laughs) The losers. The knocked out second round teams. Where are they? What do they need to do? Let's do this really quickly, the Suns. Phoenix are looking at this offseason going, where did it all go wrong? We didn't pay DeAndre Ayton. That reared its ugly head at probably the worst time possible uh, where he and his coach get into it in a game seven of the second round. He plays 17 minutes, the former number one pick. The dude they picked over Luca, who was currently Carly marring them. Absolutely vibe. You know, he wanted to fight his coach. Apparently enjoys playing video games a little bit too much. Uh, didn't get the contract he wants. Now Woj is out there saying, DeAndre Ayton did not feel valued by this Phoenix organization. They were not able to come to an agreement on his rookie extension, and he saw many of the top players getting extensions, and he wanted a max deal. He would not move off that. So now he moves towards restricted free agency this summer, where he'll have some more options. But ultimately, Phoenix will still match an offer out there, and keep him if he signs an offer sheet with another team. He's going to get a max contract in the marketplace somewhere. There are a lot of teams lining up to figure out how can we acquire him. It's pretty interesting because the Suns, you're sitting there going, right, is what just happened to us against Dallas, is that terminal? 
We've got a 37-year-old point guard who's completely changed our culture, turned our entire franchise around, made us, made us a bunch of winners where before we were losers. We've made the finals. We've then gotten absolutely shit-pumped in a Game 7 of the second round by the Dallas Mavericks who are starting Dwight Powell and bringing Max Kleber as their centers. Yeesh. We've got a former number one pick as our pivot. We've got Booker, Chris Paul, we've got Michael Bridges. It's all going on. And why can't we get over the hump? So, look, this is a tricky one, right? They've just delivered the worst performance in Game 7 by a great team probably ever. They need a little bit more shot creation behind Booker and CP3. Look, campaign. Anytime you've got a question and the answer is campaign, it's a pretty bad question and a horrible answer. The same goes for Alfred Payton. (laughs) Like campaign popping off last year and bubble campaign was awesome as well. But campaign, turning back into campaign at the most inopportune moment, very campaign. Uh, but the thing is, I think with the Suns, they've got to start. There you go. you got the uh, harp again. There we go. Ring. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but the Suns, they've got to thread the needle of stay contenders, but also, like, don't fuck this all up by trading and changing too much. Because no, we know that Robert Sava just has like a giant heart on for going, how do I save money and stay pretty good but not too good and also not give us a chance at actually winning the title? It's very Robert Sava to do that. And obviously the big trade chip it does seem like is Aiton, where the five spot in the NBA is probably, unless you've got literally like one of the top three, four dudes, it's a very interchangeable position. And it looked like Aiton at times over the last two years was an absolute world beater and the exact perfect big man for today's NBA where he could switch a little bit, had a nice little bit of offensive touch, but also every Suns fan would be like, just DeAndre, can you just try to be a little bit dominant and realize that you're seven foot? Jesus. The amount of times you want to go for a Hakeem Olajuwon fadeaway where it's just like you could probably get a layup or a dunk. What are you doing? It's pretty chaos. But So threading that needle of staying contenders but not changing too much. Aiton seems to be a big trade chip. And if you can get most of his production back in a trade but also pick up something else, I mean, that's the sort of questions you've got to be asking for you if you're the Suns. There's also some great ideas out there. Brooklyn for Ben Simmons. Wouldn't that be amazing? Aiton would be perfect next to, next to KD and uh, Kyrie. How about Atlanta for Clint Capella and DeAndre? Hana! That way you can move off Crowder, upgrade him to a uh, basically a bigger, younger, better version in DeAndre Hunter. How about the Blazers? Aiton would be amazing in the Blazers. They love a good number one uh, pick who's a center. Oh, jeez. Uh but unfortunately, the Blazers are like, well, you could have Nurk and Anthony Simons, maybe. Or how about Nasir Little? Because the Blazers have completely fucked the pooch here. Screwed the pooches, actually, but they've really fucked the pooch by trading in all their trade chips for absolutely sweet fucking dick all. Oh, we traded CJ McCall and we thought we were going to get a good pick and we didn't. How is that a fucking thing? How did you guys screw up that trade so badly that it's protected to the point where... If the Pelicans do make the playoffs, then you don't get the pick. Like, you've screwed that so badly, it's ridiculous. And Norm Powell, Robert Covington, big contracts. You got fuck all back for them. You got horrible players in return. The Blazers, what have you done? How about Charlotte? He'd be great in Charlotte. They need a big man. Haywood and Plumley. I don't know. What do you reckon? Orlando for Mo Wagner? Or how about Suggs and Mo Wagner? Or Mo Bumba? Take your pick of the Mo's. <laughs> but I reckon Aiton on the uh, Magic would be pretty fun because they do have like a glut of big men. You've got Wendell, you've got Mo Bamba, and you've got Johnny Isaac, presumably. Look, it seems like a move there, just a, you know, a combination move for Orlando just to coalesce some of their assets into uh, maybe something better. But either way, that way they could have a number one pick uh, in Mark L. Fultz as their point guard and a number one pick as their center in DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Rudy Gobez, this stuff on tower. How about just a straight swap? Do you reckon Phoenix would like that? It's like, let's get older and worse offensively. Yeesh. Uh, Indy for Miles Turner. 
And I do love the idea. It's like, oh, they could also ask for TJ Warren. It's like, hang on a second. Isn't TJ Warren the one who was just like, I fucking hate Phoenix. I'm out. <laughs> and they just cut the dude. And they're like, yeah, we're, we're done in the TJ Warren business. Uh, Chicago. I know it's one of those tricky ones. Like Chicago would have to move off Vooch. They would love to get their hands on Aiton, you feel like. Vooch, but what else? That's the tricky part for Chicago because you're going to have to give up something else. It's like, here's Kobe White, and everybody's watched Kobe White in the last couple of years be like, well, that's kind of neat, maybe, but oof. Just think about how much more your uh, defense suffers if you move on to that. And then I think the tricky ones are, how about, I love this idea, though, the Pelicans for Zion. Couple of number one picks, let's swap them! Get Zion out there to Phoenix. Get him with that training staff. Running around at altitude. He'd come out chiseled. I'd love it. Uh, but also, the other tricky one is for Phoenix. You could look at this draft and go, who gets the number one pick? Detroit. Okay, see. Would they conceivably go, here's the number one pick. We don't want Jabari. We don't want Chet. We don't want Paolo. We'll take DeAndre Ayton instead. Here's our number one or two or three pick. Fascinating. Because I tell you what, I can't wait for tomorrow. It's the NBA Draft Lottery, a.k.a. the third best day of the year. Jimmy, what are the other two? Number one, the start of the NBA season. Number two, the NBA Draft. Number three, the NBA Draft Lottery. What's the worst day of the year? When the NBA season finishes. There you go. Uh, But either way, the Suns, look, CP3, Booker, Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson. They're your keepers. Everything else is up for grabs. You also spent this entire year kicking ass and taking names with that crew. Does Robert Sava really want to change it up? What's James Jones going to do? Champ, what's he going to do in the front office there in Phoenix? I don't know, but I'm fascinated to see what happens. Oh, yeah. Grizzlies, another West loser. Uh, I think they're fine to stay the course. You're fine, sweetie. Um, Also, but if they can turn like Dylan Brooks who I do appreciate his just bastard-minded fuck You've got to have one of those dudes, especially on a young team like this. Like, you've got Steven Adams, the big Kiwi giant. You've got Ja Morant, the brash young superstar. You've got Triple J, who doesn't really quite know how to play basketball, seemingly. And a bunch of pretty cool dudes. You need Dylan Brooks, who can be the villain. But at the same time, maybe, instead, you just get a reliable wing shooter. Like, you go get Buddy Healed or something like that. Otherwise, they've just got to get Jar healthy, get Triple J to stop fouling, work with Zaya Williams on becoming a, uh, you know, keep his on-track kind of development going in the way that you want it to go. And Memphis have done a great job of doing that with all of their young dudes, it seems like. So they should be all right. And the Bucks over there in the East uh, get Middleton back win next year's title. Seems pretty uh, straightforward, doesn't it? But I think what we've uh, come to have learned from the Bucks celtics series is that they really did fuck up in going, right, Serge Ibaka would be a good idea, and if we move off Dante DiVincenzo, we'll never regret that. Boom, instantly regretted it when Paddy Connaughton got hurt in in the actual regular season. And then B, regretted it greatly when they had zero fucking shot creation in the conference semis, right? So here we are. Middleton, uh, no Dante, no other wing scorers. Grayson Allen turns into a giant spud. Wes Matthews is older than shit. The big thing is they never quite replace that big wing defender in PJ Tucker, right? The dude who can switch, the dude who can play up and down positions, no hassles. He can play next to Giannis as a small ball, four or five. You can put him next to Lopez and Giannis, whatever, and play big. But the wing shooting defense is something they need to shore up. Uh, just someone who can play as well, maybe instead of Grayson Allen. <laughs> or at least just moving Grayson Allen back to a breaking case of emergency shooter dude. Because uh, where does Matthews look? It was so much to expect from him to play D and deliver on offense. So the Bucks, though, look, as soon as they get Chris Middleton back, they should be uh, feeling a little bit better, shouldn't they? Yeah, nice. And then the Sixers. Oh, boy. The other East loser. Remember the Sixers? Remember they got bundled out in six by the Heat in horrible fashion? Feels like that happened about a year and a half ago. Anyway, Harden. You got a big decision there. Will he take a uh, three-year deal for 120? What do you reckon? 
two-year deal. He and Daryl Morey are best mates. <laughs> try to get a try to get mates rates on James Harden. I love it. Get him on a plant-based diet. Buy him a Peloton. Set up a Peloton in his closest strip club as well. But yeah, the Sixers are rooted. You look at this offseason, but the thing is they've now got Daryl Morey, who at least has a fucking head on his shoulders and knows exactly what they need and will try his darndest to go and get it. Look, essentially, they're probably going to look at trading Tobias Harris for two or so role players that they can just at least rely on a little bit. Um, one more big wing defender that can handle a Jimmy Butler and hit a three. Sorry, Matty T. Aussie Matty T and his inability to hit a three really, really stymied the sixes, I think. Uh, but they need a shooter replace to replace Danny Green or and Seth Curry because Seth Curry was part of the Ben Simmons trade. Left a fucking huge hole in that lineup. Danny Green hurts his knee because Embiid's too busy flopping everywhere, falls into his teammate. But also, you look at this team and you go, Jesus, outside of Embiid, Maxi, and Harden, and like Tobias Harris as a trade piece, like the cupboard is bare. And the Sixers fans are going to look at that going, what are we doing? Oh, God, this is horrible. But juice, either way. Right. So there you go. There's the four losers. Let's get to the winners and do a conference finals preview right after this. This is Matthew Delvedover and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right. Let's do this conference finals preview, will we? Let's do it. Conference Finals Preview, 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 Preview. Preview. That's right. The Conference Finals. What a pair of matchups. Miami Boston, a rematch of 2020. Mavs Warriors, a rematch of We Believe. And some awesome color matchups as well. Like Golden State Dallas is one for the ages. I love a uh, good uh, yellow and blue matchup. The problem is Golden State's other ones as well, right? They're primarily weird blue ones. It's going to be a bit tricky when I look at it and go, that's just Dallas playing Dallas. <laughs> but either way, and Miami Boston has always been a great color matchup because you've got the weird black and reds of uh, Miami versus the all-time classics of Boston. So I'm excited for this. So five big questions for each of these series. We'll do a pick um, for game ones and then for the actual series. And uh, we'll see how we go. We went two of four in the second round series. So not bad, but either way. Let's do it. Let's start in the East. Miami versus Boston. All right. A rematch of 2020. Five big questions. For the Miami Heat versus the Boston Celtics. Number one, how does Miami adapt from playing a team with no one to cover Jimmy Butler to a team that's got like three or four really good options? (laughs) Between Marcus, Mark, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Tatum. Shit, you could throw Grant Williams on him if you need to. But look, I think the big sort of question behind this is how much can the Heat rely on Butler's offense to carry them as much as it did against Philly? Because Philly very clearly had no one who had a hope of slowing down Jimmy Butler because they couldn't play Aussie Matty T because he's just an absolute liability on offense. And... Danny Green goes out, obviously, at the end of that series, but Danny Green's also older than shit. And the entire sort of, I don't know, last couple of seasons, well, without Ben Simmons, like, the Sixers are just undersized across the board. Similar to Brooklyn, actually, where you just sort of look at and go, oh, God, they're just tiny. So, uh, but for Jimmy Butler to go up against a sort of hulking Boston Celtics defense on the perimeter going to be a little bit different to uh, going up against a lackadaisical at best, hardly paying attention James Harden, a second-year guard in Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, George Niang. Like, no wonder he feasted against Philly, but it's going to be a bigger, uh, bigger, 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 bigger test, I reckon, against the Celtics. So, speaking of which, number two, the Mosquito Fleet. You know I love the Mosquito Fleet of the Miami Heat. That's uh, Tyler. There goes my hero, Maxie Struess, Gabe Vincent. I'd like to have a beer with Duncan Robinson. And uh, if he gets out there. And Victor Oladipo. But the thing is, can Boston's perimeter D, I just talked about them trying to slow down Jimmy Butler, can their switching 
and that sheer switchability they have actually contain the Mosquito Fleet. If they can slow down Butler first, then Hero with Smart and the Buffalo Derek White, they're on track, aren't they? Because it feels like this is a pretty good matchup for Boston where you go, right, we can even just throw Peyton Pritchard out there to run around and cause havoc on uh, Struess and Hero and co. Whereas the Sixers are kind of like, oh, well, we've got Matty T. He's not going to shoot it ever, but shit. Uh, here's Shake, <laughs> right? So it feels like Boston's perimeter D can at least stymie the Mosquito Fleet a little bit. But, I mean, Philly did a pretty good job early, and then they just got absolutely smoked by him in the last couple of games. But uh, number three, the big question is, does Big Buddha Carl Lowry have any impact on this series? And if he's even healthy, do they play him? Because how healthy is healthy for Kyle Lowry at this point, right? you got a bung hammy. You're going to run out there, give 85%, maybe? And is 85% of old-ass Big Booty Kyle Lowry, is that good for Miami? Or, as we saw against Philly, as soon as they just go, right, Kyle, look, we love you, but we need to sit you because this is not working. Because as we saw against Philly, it's all about that hierarchy right on the heat. It's like the dudes of Struess, Vincent, Oladipo, Duncan, Tyler Hero, no one had to go, right, what's Kyle going to let us do? It's like, we can actually make decisions for ourselves. That empowered them. And then you saw them just fucking take leaps and bounds and kick the shit out of the sixes. So do they bother with Kyle Lowry? Because you feel like defensively, in an ideal world, a healthy Kyle Lowry would be very, very useful for the Heat. But a compromised Kyle Lowry is more of a liability than a helpful. So I don't know. I don't think he does. And if I'm the Heat, I'm kind of like, oh, God. He's going to turn into a breaking case of emergency in game three kind of vibe for me. Number four, Al, Time Lord, Grant Williams versus Bam. Like, that feels kind of like what it is, right? Because they're your bigs. Like, the Heat have PJ Tucker and Bam and Dwayne Deadmart. And that's about it. So... Can Al, Time Lord, and Grant Williams also do a bit of damage on the offensive end as well? And if they can and win that battle, they're going to win that like series pretty easily, right? Like Bam is a dude who can dictate series sometimes with the right matchup. He can also get played out of series against the wrong matchup. And you saw him sort of a up and down series against Philly. Get him in foul trouble, gets him out of his game, fucks him up. And between Al, Time Lord, Grant Williams, you feel like Boston have got some dudes who can really throw at him to get him off his game. And number five, Tatum and Brown. Butler, who's going to be the best player in this series? Is it going to be Tatum? So for me, you've just seen Tatum go toe-to-toe with KD, then Giannis, and guess who's left standing? Jason Tatum. Not bad for a 19-year-old. But I don't think Tucker, PJ, uh, PJ Tucker, Oladipo, Butler, and any of the other wing dudes, really, against Tatum and Brown, they can do a good job. I think Tatum and Brown have hit a point where it's going to take even a little bit more than that. Like, if Kyle Lowry was healthy, and they had an entire season of health behind them, maybe Miami's scheme throws them for a game or two. But then they say to, I reckon they probably shake loose. And uh, I think the Celtics will also have that moment going, wait, we've also got weapons everywhere. We've got Al, we've got Smart. If they're hitting shots, I think this is over. So for me, I'm going to go, I think in game one, so tomorrow we've got Miami hosting Boston for game one. I think the Heat win game one. We got We have Miami minus one and a half. And I think the Heat having had enough time off, to sort of game plan for Boston, figure this out, figure out some of the defensive matchups, figure out their schemes. They're at home. I think the shooting looks amazing. I think Miami look incredible, and Boston are just kind of a little bit shell-shocked after an insane, incredible, and wildly physical series against Milwaukee. I think Boston are just like, ah, shit, we fell short just a little bit in this one, and Miami get game one, and uh, I think we see a good Butler game. I think it all sort of just clicks a little bit. And then 
then I think it gets funky. I My pick is for this series, Boston in six. I think Boston lose game one. They adjust, pull off game two out of nowhere, win games three and four at home, lose game five back in Miami, and then win at home in game six, and uh, put to bed the demons of 2020 where they feel like they could have won and just came up short time and time again. So I think I like Boston here in six. I just think their defense. So you've got the number one ranked defense versus the number four ranked defense. But Boston's offense, I feel like, has just taken like a big, big, big step up essentially in the last couple of months, right? We all know the stats. Like since Jan 1st, they've been incredible. But I just think they've got a couple of extra weapons. I think they know how to use them a little bit better, especially against good defenses like they did against Milwaukee. So I think Boston can actually win this, and I think they will. So give me Boston in six. And then the second worst matchup, Golden State versus Dallas. What a showdown. Number one for me, who guards Luka? Who tries to guard Luka, rather? Because, I don't know, you throw Andrew Wiggins out there, Otto, I like to get blood to Porter. Can they even remotely hope to contain Luka? I don't know. It feels like you got to have some size on him because he's too big, too good. He can pass over anyone smaller than him. And if you let him get into a rhythm as a shooter and a playmaker, like he'll just fucking cook your team. And, I mean, that's exactly what happened to Phoenix, right? So, all the scheming in the world, Luka might be too good for it, but it doesn't feel like they've got the perfect matchup. But between Wiggins and Porter, a little bit of Draymond maybe, maybe Clay even though Clay's looked a little bit off his last few uh, playoff series <laughs> defensively. Um, I don't know. It feels like it's going to be a crazy, weird, and pivotal matchup of how efficient can Luka be? What can he do against his Golden State defense that has, at times, looked fucking world-beating? Are Dallas going to be able to beat it? Uh, number two, speaking of which, do Dallas repeat what they did to, def- to the old Suns defensively? and throw Reggie Bullock on Steph. Do they maybe try Finney Smith on Clay, or you're running Brunson around? Are you keeping Luca or Powell on Draymond? What are you doing? Essentially, this sort of breaks down to does def- the defensive length of Dallas, does it have the same impact as it did on Phoenix? Because Steph's bigger than CP3. So if you've got Bullock on him, he's still going to be able to get his shot off and maybe get by uh, Bullock or Finney Smith if they get switched onto him. Because Steph's younger, Steph's quicker, and Steph's bigger than Chris Paul. So you could see they could strangle the space of the Warriors to the point where they just harass Steph and Clay and Poole into just a little bit of inefficiency. And if they do, that gives their offense a chance to shine, and off they go. But the Warriors are not CP3 and Booker. Like, they've been here before. They've got balls of steel. That's going to be tricky. But I think that Dallas defensive length and how they use it and what they did to CP3 on offense, uh, on defense, so running Chris Paul into fucking pick after pick after pick after pick, it's probably not a bad idea to do that to Steph as well, just saying. Uh, number three, do Golden State, speaking of which, stay big with Looney and Draymond and try to get an edge on the boards and also with the pick and roll coverages. What do you reckon? Feels like they might try to combat that Dwight Powell, Max Shaklebar, Davis Bertans with even bigger dudes, maybe, or at least dudes the same size. Yeah. And number four, can Golden State get a grip on the turnovers? Because if they don't, they're fucked. Because uh, that's where Dallas completely killed Phoenix those last few games. Because Dallas did, didn't turn it over that much. And Phoenix, who were usually so methodical, just got a little bit sloppy and it was over. They got thrown for a loop. So if Dallas get that edge again, oh boy, it's going to be a bit crazy. Who wins the shooting battle, though, is number five and probably the biggest one, right? Because it feels like it just might come down to this. Who makes the who makes more shots across the series. Who shoots better over the course of the series will win it. Jeez, Jimmy, do you reckon? Yeah. Usually you'd go, well, the team with Steph and Clay, all done. But at the same time, because Dallas is so dogged and long on defense, it might throw Golden State for a bit of a loop. And I think this is one of those weird ones. I think Dallas, in terms of the shooting, that's probably where I'm most worried. Like Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, relying on those dudes and Luca actually, to hit threes, to hit your shots, it gets a bit dicey. But I just trust their defense enough now that I think they can really pressure Golden State. So for game one, 
on Thursday. We might change this pick as of tomorrow, depending on uh, where the line goes. But at the moment, Dallas are five and a half point underdogs in Golden State. I'm taking Dallas. I think they're rolling. I think you get that roll. You go into Golden State, you shock the world and beat the Warriors. And my series pick is Dallas in six. I would have thought there was no chance of that. But now, having watched that defense completely discombobulate the Suns, kind of like Dallas. So either way, we, uh, we'll look at game one, Dallas-Golden State tomorrow after uh, we break down the first game of Heat-Celtics. That's going to be fun as shit. But either way, we're here. The conference finals. Let's fucking go, you little beauty. I cannot wait. It's the best time of the year, isn't it? The draft lottery tomorrow. Conference finals starting. Fucking, I could not be happier. I love it. So with all that in mind, let's now go have a chat with Sean Bruce. And we'll finish off the show. It's a great chat with Sean. Enjoy. Right after, I say, this one. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And 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 you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. All right, that's right. He's a recurring guest. Welcome back to the show, the pride of Horsham and Ballarat. He's now a 250-game player. He's a newly minted NBL champion. He's the third best player in his own family. If you ask his brothers, it's bloody Sean Bruce. Sean, what's going on? Not much, man. Just excited to talk some talk some crap with you, mate. <laughs> Love it. Uh, how did your brother, so you are an NBL champion now. How did your brothers react? I want to know this. I like, it's one, it's the one thing that's been sitting in the back of my head. I'm like, I want to know the trash talk that came from, uh, Aaron and Cam. <laughs> nah, just a lot of support. It was a bit different to me beating them in a shooting competition <laughs> in the backyard back in the day. But, um, nah, a lot of support. They were happy for me. I love it. Oh man. So what's this last week been like for you? Like, when did you actually sober up? Are you sober yet? I mean, what's the vibe? <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it's um, the celebrations wrapped up kind of a day or two ago. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a blur before that. We yeah, obviously get back into the change rooms and it's just us players for a little bit. And then our family are in there and then, yeah, pretty chaotic since then. Uh, who was the best on ground? Who was the best partier? Yeah, a few people asked me this and I can't like, I don't know. It's um probably means it could have been me, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think everyone kept it pretty tame. But at the same time, we all had a pretty good time. So, like, has Ian Clark let go of the ball yet? Nah, he's still got it. He's walking around San Fran right now. I think still holding that ball, which is was pretty cool. That's unreal. So, like, like take us into that locker room. Like, what's that vibe? Because I mean, you've been two grand finals before. Um, I mean, you, is this one that much sweeter because you, like, got jobbed out of that title by Perth because of COVID? <laughs> um, no, nah, for sure. Like, I've been in that locker room and, like, yeah, I've, like, been worried if I'd ever get back into that position a couple of times. Like, it's it's so hard to get there and even harder to win one. So to be there just celebrating, um, yeah, completely different feeling and one that I'm um, – absolutely privileged to be able to do uh so like for some of the other vets as well on that team as well like do you have that sort of moment where you're all just sort of sitting here fuck yeah we did it this is awesome yeah for sure like after like you mentioned the kind of the disappointment of two years ago there in sydney so there's a couple of us that were still around from that team and obviously bogues in our ownership group kev and kicks they were our assistant coaches as well so yeah i felt like there was a feeling of like yeah, we we did it. We, we kind of made up for what happened a couple of years ago, and um, yeah, we can enjoy it together. And what was that vibe like playing in front of that crowd in Sydney? Because like that was a uh, pretty sort of special setup, right, for Game Three. Holy shit! Yeah, no, nah, it was insane. It was like the perfect perfect moment, right? Like we lose that one, we have to go down to Tassie and try beat them down there, but. We've got one of the biggest or the biggest crowd in NBL history in the finals. And it's here in Sydney, like, 
they're excited as hell like we've got to do it so um yeah so much fun and yeah it just made the night even more special awesome um I've also I'm always just impressed when they have to pull back the curtains because uh, <laughs> it's like every yeah. time I go to a, like an actual game and there's the curtains you're like ah oh, this is a disappointment and it's so fucking nice when they have to pull them back right for sure and yeah I mean Kudos is such a big arena that it makes sense that those curtains are down at times yeah. but yeah it's just a completely different feel completely different arena when when they're up and people are um, buzzing. Sure. The uh, speaking of you know arenas and buzzing, what was the vibe like in Tassie? Like the biggest fucking disappointment I had this season was not being able to get down there and check out a game myself. Uh, you get down there, you take game two in Tassie. It's absolute fucking chaos. What was it like playing down there for the finals? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, they obviously give however many they've got in there four thousand people a clap reach, and I think every one of them's clapping at the whole game. So. It's um, it's loud in there. It's only a small stadium, but yeah, those fans they they don't stop, and it's awesome. They're they're on the edge of their seat. There's no quiet parts of the game. It's like nonstop for forty minutes. So that was a fun environment. Obviously, DJ hits the dagger and and gives them a bit and makes it even more fun. But um. Yeah, it was a cool environment, and um, yeah, definitely get down there if you can. What was that vibe like when he hit that three? Honestly, like, I didn't really, yeah, obviously saw him get excited and was pumped for him, but it was just relief, to be honest. Like, <laughs> we we just wanted to win that game, and it was such a big moment. It was, yeah, it was cool. Uh, I did love, like, the um, the vibe that sort of comes out of that, of people going, oh, man, act like you've been there before. It's like, come on, man, he hit a fucking massive three in the finals. Like, this is, this is what yeah, it's we- literally all about. We hadn't been there before, so how do you act? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, how that guy writing that would act. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think um, I think the the easy answer for these that sort of stuff is like, how would you act if uh, your player had hit the three? And of course, everyone would have like gone absolutely apeshit if DJ was on their team and hit that three, right? For sure, for sure. But um, yeah, I think in the wash up of it, it's just everyone showing some passion and. Yeah, obviously the messages he got online after that weren't too great, but they could have been from anyone. I don't think that was somebody in the arena. So, yep. um, yeah. Nice. Uh, in terms of like the actual, you know, the NBL finals, you come out of like, you throw like one of the sickest oops <laughs> I think I've seen in the NBL. Like that was off the chain. Uh, was that a bit of a thrill for you as well? Yeah, we talked about that a bit after the game because we were turning the ball over a lot in that first quarter first half and yeah I knew I was in the zone in that moment because normally I wouldn't throw that pass if we'd been turning it over so much so I come to the bench and I was like shit thank god that come off because (laughs) yeah we hadn't taken care of the ball very well but it ended up being an awesome moment and MK went and threw it down and um yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I've watched it back a couple of times. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Is it like that's got to be like the uh, like the best thrill for like a uh, a pass first guard, right? To have dudes like Matura McCurr on your team, where you just go, oh, I'll just throw it up, and they're bigger than everybody. This is fucking sweet. For sure, not only him, but then like the next guy's Jarrell Martin, next guy's Xavier Cooks. Like, yep. I had so many guys, and then if they're helping on those, I've got. Dayan and Ian Clark and Jalen and so many good shooters. So I mean, I had options everywhere. It was kind of a fun part, fun thing to be about on this team. That we just had so much talent, and my role was pretty minimal with how much talent we had, which was cool. Yeah. The uh, oh, actually, there was actually the one thing I was sort of lean on with Tazzy again. Like, was it? Were you just like astounded by like one year in their first year? Those fans are that psycho. As you said, like, they're sitting on the edge of the seat the entire time, like, absolutely into it. Like, that's pretty special, right? Like, your first year as a team, you make the finals, all those fans are so invested already. That's amazing, yeah? For sure. And, like, I think game two for them sold out within, like, a few hours. Like, it's it's incredible. And it just shows kind of the appetite there is for sport down in Tassie and credit to the NBL for getting down there and, um, no, nah, those fans are incredible and 
if anything, I think they need a bigger stadium down there to fit more of them in there because, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of them. Nice. And they uh, lit a fire under the AFL's ass, right? Like, <laughs> the AFL's like, shit, what are we doing? Why do we not yeah. have a team in Tassie? Fuck. Wouldn't surprise me, yeah. Uh, another Ballarat product, Xavier Cooks, because he was born there. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching his dad play for the Miners. Love that. Um, yeah. What a series for Xavier, though, right? Like, do you, do you reckon you can get him to pack you in his bags when he flies over for NBA tryouts? <laughs> Man, I hope so. Um, yeah, no, nah, incredible series, incredible season. He was, um, yeah, he was really the engine that made us go. I think Jalen was was MVP, but Zave did everything else for us. He, um, yeah, defended at a high level, rebounded, his leadership, like, incredibly proud of him and yeah i hope that's the last game i ever play with him because i'm not going to the nba so um <laughs> yeah really really hope he um he gets what he deserves i love it god sure there's you know if, if delhi can make it anybody can like that's my vibe right come on man come on man <laughs> i don't know like uh, i feel like your shooting form is still a little bit prettier than delhi's uh but then i, th- I think i've seen uh you know Stuff on the uh, sidewalk that's prettier than Delhi's shot at the moment, <laughs> but the what was the what was the messages from the Horsham Secret Supporters Club, which is I think just like Creaky and uh, everybody else. Like, what was that? Was that awesome? Sort of getting uh, the sort of Horsham crew just behind you after you win an NBL title. Yeah, it was for sure. I think they were obviously really proud, and um, yeah, I'm still kind of catching up on a lot of the messages I received, which was really cool, but. Yeah, Creaky was one that reached out to me pretty quickly and um, could tell he was happy for me. Um, but, yeah, there's a great community for basketball down there in Horsham and there's no no question that's why so many of us have done well. And, um, yeah, definitely is a testament to them. And, it, yeah, this championship, I'll have to go back and celebrate with them at some stage as well. So which pub do you go to if you're going to go celebrate? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think I asked you this last time. <laughs> three or four of us, but uh, yeah, we'll figure that out closer to the date, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, how much shit do you give uh, throughout the season just to Angus Glover for being ginger? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. No, a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Glove's uh, cool. Our, our owner's got a joke that he's going to have a... Um, Greyhound night at Dapto Dogs, and it's only red dogs are allowed to run in the races. So that's probably the worst he gets. <laughs> Love it. Um, just two last sort of little things about NBL stuff. I mean, what a run for your career so far, right? Like Miners, uh, Taipans, you're in Brizzy for a bit, Adelaide, and Sydney. You're playing, you know, in front. Well, you know, you're originally playing with Bogey. Now you're playing in front of Bogey. You're playing in front of Luke Longley for these games. Uh, you're playing with the MVP. You're an NBL champ. Like, do you just now get a little bit of a chance to sit back and go, "Holy shit, that's a fucking pretty crazy ride for a kid who had a good Charlotte haircut back in uh, Ballarat, <laughs> and now he's an NBL I champ." I did, yeah. Nah, definitely pinched myself. I think even at the start of the playoff series, the the milestone of two two hundred and fifty games was like crap. Like, I just wanted to get to this league and play one game like that would have been enough as a kid so um yeah my journey's been pretty unique and it's something that I'm proud of for sure and um yeah hopefully got a couple more years to add to that but yeah it's really just a pinch myself moment because I mean I don't know what I did very special to to be here or deserve this but something I'm really grateful for it's all that Horsham water I'll tell you that much um What's the uh, support crew like there in Sydney now? Which is, I actually had a like, little bit of a think about it. I realise that you've gone through a shit ton of coaches, haven't you? Just in Sydney. Yeah, third coach in uh, three years. So yeah. <laughs> it's been crazy, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, what's that like there? Because like, you've obviously got like a hell of a brains trust. As you said, you've still got um, Kev and Kicks and, like, as your assistant coaches. Bogey's right there. Like, I yeah. mean, it's pretty awesome, right? Like, you could also still egg on Bogey to tell you about his uh, myriad conspiracy theories and political science and stuff. But, I mean, in terms of, like, basketball brains, like, it's pretty fucking, like, massive up there. Yeah, I think we're really lucky to have the resources and people around that we do. Um, even our CEO, Chris Pongrass, he's got 
experience in the NBA, spent a lot of years with the Grizzlies. So in terms of recruiting and finding Chase, I think they've got so many connections to the best league in the world. It's not only a destination for players, but coaches and everybody else to come and work here and have the ability or the connection to go on to bigger and better things. So it's a fun environment to be in. Um, yeah, I look down the court and see Bogues and and Luke Longley watching us, and I'm like, hold on, is this the NBL team? Like, this isn't what I had in Cairns or Brisbane or anything like that. So it's definitely different, but just something that I try to make the most of and pick their brain as much as I can. How many times did you ask uh, Longley about uh, the MJ Bulls? Oh, uh, he's been asked that enough. That I can <laughs> tell that when he gets asked about it, it's like, yeah, he's he's ready for another conversation. So, hundred um, yeah, percent. That's like no, that's like one hundred percent one of those things where you got to look at it and go, look, I don't want to be the dickhead that asks, but I really want to ask him about it. You know? Yeah, nah. I, yeah, I overheard him talking about it enough to know that. Yeah, he's had enough of it. So. <laughs> We, awesome. He, he got to do his own documentary, which was cool, and I really enjoyed that one as well. It was amazing, right? Like, um, just sort of the fact that he's kept that sort of, you know, sort of close to the chest for so long, and then to have it done so well was just like a great moment, I think, for everybody who actually uh, took the time to watch it and get his side of the story. It was awesome. Um, so, last couple of things. Do you now have, like, forever and ever bragging rights over your brothers? Um, you'd think so, right? Yeah, I don't know. We haven't, <laughs> I haven't thought too much about it, but yeah, I'm sure sure I've got one up on them now. <laughs> Just tell him to kiss the ring. I love it. Um, it. And then some quick yeah, Nas, uh Chase Buford's kicking the screen. Do you reckon he needs to get some kung fu lessons from Thon McCurr? Yeah, nah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Did you give him shit about like the uh, the kick, the turnaround, and the kick of the screen? And it's like, come on, man! Look, you could have kicked it a bit harder. Like <laughs> in, between, in between games two and three, um, we probably had some other things to worry about. But <laughs> um, I did ask if his foot foot's all right, and he he said he said it was. So we kind of moved on after that. Love it. Um, and Horsham is the Tassie of Victoria's northeast, uh, northwest. What do you reckon? Yeah, nah. Nah, it's a bit too it's a bit too warm, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, and bit bit flatter. Yeah, <laughs> true. I love it. Um, NBA Conference Finals, Sean. Who you got? Mavs, Warriors. What do you reckon? I love the Warriors and how they play. I love Draymond. Um, you don't hear people say that about the Warriors too much, but yeah, I like watching what he does. But wow, what the Mavericks did yesterday! I'm excited for them and being new kids on the block type of thing, but. I'm going to go with the Warriors. They've got the experience and a few more pieces. What did you reckon about, like, Luca's game yesterday? Were you just sort of sitting there just going, holy shit, how is he pulling this off? I loved it because, like, yeah, whatever, game five or whatever, when he come off and he's like, they're all talking shit when they're up. And, yeah, I think that showed a lot about Luca And, um, yeah, so much fun to watch. You could just tell, like, he was locked in and would be a hard player to stop when he's in that in that mode. I mean, for a 23-year-old as well, like, that just fucking scares me. <laughs> like, that's insane, isn't it? The dude's 23. Yeah. 23 doesn't look like he's in the best shape ever. Like, it's <laughs> it's incredible what he does, but keeps on doing it. And, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch for a lot of more years to come. Have you played with somebody who sort of has that sort of um, the body shape as well, where it's like, you don't even know how like in shape you can get, but it's almost like their sh- the shape and size of their body anyway helps them do yeah. what they do. I was talking to someone about this yesterday. It's kind of a European thing because Dion on our team is a little bit the same. Like he's a stocky guard that yeah, you, you sometimes he looks like he's in better shape, but you don't really know when he's in great shape, but. He can get buckets and he's never kind of tired or anything like that. So I think it's just the, the European um, body type or something because it's him, it's it's Luka, Jokic. They've all got the, the same kind of body. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then so in shout the, out to DJ, man. I love it. He's <laughs> Speaking of DJ, I mean, holy shit, like what a, a final series for him. What a season. And 
I mean, the sky's the limit, right? For sure. Yeah, I think he'll definitely be putting his hands up, hand up to be a boomer in the next kind of couple of campaigns, and um, to do what he did for us, coming off missing the first part of the season with an Achilles injury, like says a lot about him. And um, yeah, like you said, sky is the limit, and excited for him. All right, and the uh, over in the East, Heat Celtics. Who do you reckon wins this one? Um, I've got a bet with my teammate that the Warriors go further than the Celtics, so I'm hoping the Heat. But Ooh. yeah, but I don't really care to be <laughs> honest. Um, I like both the teams out of the West, so I'm going to be supporting whichever one of those. But from what I've seen, the Celtics have been very tough, but so have the Heat. So it should be a good series. Love it. All right. Well, there you go. This is the uh, conference final preview show of NBA Australia. So that's a nice little extra bit of uh, Sean Bruce knowledge. I love that. What happens for you next? Um, right now, free agency starts on Friday. Yeah. Just wait and see what happens with my next NBL deal and then take a couple of weeks off and then we'll see see about some NBL one stuff kind of later in that competition. We'll just wait and see how how teams are looking and if there's opportunities available. But for now, just enjoying things, um, take some time off, get, even get back to Horsham and see the family and stuff like that. Love it. Uh, and last one, what was the tipple of choice? Like what do you actually celebrate an NBL championship with booze-wise? <laughs> That's a good question because there, there was a lot of different things. <laughs> um, in the space of the locker room, there was some champagne, there was some beer, there was Canadian clubs. There was like, yeah, I don't know how I got through all that, to be honest, but we had a good time. That's fucking awesome. All right, man, this is great. Now you get to be Sean Bruce, NBL champion. Feels good, right? Feels great, man. Sure. <laughs> Legendary. Oh, well, thanks for coming on uh, NBA Australia, man. Fucking great to have you back. No worries, mate. Cheers. This is Shane Hill. And you're listening to NBA Australia. Hey, how good was that? One Sydney King legend to another. Sean Bruce to uh, Shane the Hammer Heel. Love it. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Sean. Thanks, Heath, for him coming on. That was awesome fun. I loved uh, hearing how uh, that NBA final, NBL final series went. It was great. Enjoyed watching. It was great to see the pride of Horsham out there as well. Former Ballarat miner. Love it. Anyway, so here's to a million more beers for Sean. What a great offseason he's going to have. Right. Uh, so that's it for today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, obviously, to wrap up game one of Heat Celtics. Cannot wait. In the meantime, make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, Face the IG, all over the socials. Get around NFL Australia with myself and Gaz. Should have our big NFL offseason wrap coming up soon. Uh, World Wrestling Straya over there with Adam over on YouTube. Check that one out too. NBAstraya.com slash shop. Get your merch. Get your merch. Chuck us a rating and review on your podcast app. Go on. I don't ask for too much. I don't have the squillions of bogey. I don't have any marketing budget. Just go rate and review the show, would you? Come on. Help us out. Uh, Knowable. Download the Knowable app. Bang in the code Straya. Get 20% off. Uh, big thanks go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. Best band ever. And a big thanks to Joshua Dallarentis, Fascinated Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa Six Jedi, Green, 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 and Dozers for all the tunes you hear throughout the show. Smash them all at Bandcamp, Triple J on Earth, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify. However you support your NBA Australia Australian bands, do it. Because NBA Australia supports Australian bands. So should you. All right, we'll finish off today with a quick Jingles HR. Love it. He's answering a question from Glenn in Philly. <laughs> And we'll catch you tomorrow, you dickheads, after the NBA draft lottery. Woo! God, I love it. The drama. The chaos. The ping pong balls. And, of course, Heat Celtics. All right. Love it. This is NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? And thanks to Sean Bruce and Lederhosen. G'day, Joe Ingalls here, head of Jingles HR, the world's leading HR solutions firm. Because, yep, when I'm not sinking threes, rehabbing my knee, drinking Portland's delicious coffee, 
or enjoying my expansive real estate in Paul George's head. I'm the world's leading HR expert, helping you out with all your HR questions and problems. So, let's get to this week's question, shall we? It comes from a Glen in Philly. Joseph, I'm a bit sick of my job and just tried to sabotage my way out of this gig by half-arsing and basically tanking my performance and putting my team's employees in a position where they had no chance to succeed. All because there's a job opening back where I used to live, where I loved living, where I could play golf all the time when I wanted, and the weather was better. I mean, is that too much to ask? So, with that in mind, do you have any tips for me getting out of this job? Okay, Glenn, Philly. That's a couple of ends on that Glenn too. Uh, geez, Glenn, I'll tell you what. That's uh, definitely not what a HR professional wants to hear. If you don't like your current gig, my advice would always be to line up what you want to do next, do everyone a favour, and let them know you want out and where you're headed. That's just a little basic respect for your workplace. Because like, if you're not hitting KPIs and check marks in your current gig, I don't think actively being bad at your job is a solution that we be we should be advocating. You know? So yeah, as we say here at Jingles HR... If you bloody want to go somewhere else and do something else, tell us so we can all plan ahead. Easy peasy, cotton squeezy. So there you go, Glenn. I hope that one sets you on the right course. (laughs) Pun intended. How good's golf? And uh, best of luck with uh, whatever you decide to do. So uh, that's all we've got time for this week. Got to get back to my rehab. This has been Jingles HR. I've been Joe Engels. Get a job up, yeah.